And welcome to episode 132 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, Pale Robbie on the boards. Joining me today is Protein Shake Derek. Sure. Or Derek, Tokyo better Zana, don't, Heemsbergen. And I'm Embryon on the boards, even though I know. Wow. Damn. Shots, shots fired. We were trying to be all diplomatic on Tokyo Xanadu, but apparently you're just going to... You're just going to drop the hammer, huh? I mean, I'm being hyperbolic for the sake of providing you with entertainment. But, you know. <laughs> when has anyone on the internet ever done that? Never. It's never happened before. See? No one. He's actually the first person to ever do that. Ever. <laughs> it's my very innovative here on Random Encounter. It's my Planket impression right there. And, uh, and we also have uh, Steph. I didn't bother to think up a uh, nickname because I'm a horrible person. Sabidlo? Hi. I didn't think of any sort of clever introduction, so I mean, <laughs> I, I could. It's always I like could. some variation of like, oh, stuff maple poutine sabidlo or whatever. Yeah, you just make fun of me being a Canadian man. Yeah. I'm getting All right, sad. fine, fine, fine. Uh, how about Steph? I don't know what pickle Rick is sabidlo. We, we don't have any. We don't have any Charlottesville incidents here, at least. Wow! Oh yeah. my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make fun of Canada all you want. No, no, that. Yep, that. Okay, um, <laughs> I have Derek. You have anything? Because I don't. Uh, I just graduated I mean, from my own uh, well, nickname. <laughs> not, not to like. I realize that this is an RPG and video game centric podcast, but just like a brief note that the things that were happening in Charlotteville, from my perspective, are just absolutely atrocious, and um, I condemn those people. And I think that that's no way to live and no way to treat other human beings. So f that, and let's talk about video games. I would tend to agree, and uh, yeah. Uh, Jesus. Uh, anywho, yeah, let's talk about video games. Let's talk about positivity. <laughs> and then we'll all just get up in a car and drive up to Canada and just hang out with Steph. That's fine. <laughs> I'm good with it. Except when it gets cold. Except when it gets cold. Yeah, yeah I'm, a, I'm a little baby with the cold. I get. Yeah, I, I, I lived in I, Tucson, Arizona my entire life. <laughs> so, like, uh, it, it drops to like 50, and I'm like, I'm freezing. Oh my God. Yeah. So, I'm okay. having a summer scarf. Yeah. <laughs> so we have tons and tons and tons of games to talk about. A lot of quick hits, uh, some thoughts on uh, lots of games, including one game that is over in Japan right now, and we really wish that we were playing it. Hello, Dragon Quest. Uh, but first off, Derek, I want you to talk to me about Par. Pyre? You want to hear Par. So Par. Par. Uh, not to be confused with <laughs> Vampire. Par. Let me see if I'm robbed a little something about Par. Par. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to punch you in the throat. <laughs> Pyre is the third ah! and recent game from, uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, from the folks at Supergiant Games who made Bastion and Transistor. And we've talked pretty extensively about both of those games in this podcast. I think we tend to have fairly similar opinions here. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Bastion. I think Bastion is overrated, which is like a very weak criticism that I'm sure I could expand upon if I had more time Um and put more effort into it. But I, I think Bastion is sort of like one of those games that was conceptually very interesting, and I appreciated the art style especially, and the narration. Um, but I just felt like as a game, it wasn't super fun to play. So when Transistor came out, uh, I was a lot more excited because I was like, yeah, I'm jiving with this art style. It's a little bit more RPG. It's got some tactical elements in it. But uh, as Rob and I have discussed on the show, I, uh, we, we both seem to agree that the combat in Transistor really just sort of, it becomes one note because it's like once you devise a clever strategy, you never have to switch it up. And so much of the lore in that game comes from using different abilities, which is like very Aww. counterintuitive. Because um, <laughs> the more you level stuff up or use those abilities, you get background info on like the person that you gain that ability from or how it came to be or whatever. So um, literally at odds with each other. Right. And so for my part, I also I found Transistor to be another flawed but very interesting game, especially like the art direction is just absolutely phenomenal in that game. And so is the music. Games, yeah. um, 
but the the gameplay fell short for me, and I felt like the story was needlessly esoteric, like way way far up the writer's asses of like we're presenting something very um, highbrow, and I can appreciate that for sure. But it felt like they were more focused on that as an idea than actually delivering something that was complex thematically. So, if I could, of... if if I could yeah, just jump in, jump in there a little bit, I think the other thing that I struggled with with that game and a lot of games in general is when you give me tons and tons of choice. If I find something that works, I'm just going to do that over and over again. Like even if I replay the game, it's hard for me to say, "Hey, I'm going to try it like this," because if I found something that really works with the way I play video games, I'm just going to go and do that. So, like, with uh, Transistor, it became, hey, this is working for me over and over again. I guess I'm just going to keep doing that. And, and and so there was, like, no incentive to do anything at that point. And it was just very, very strange. Very yeah, strange, that, man. That's, that's a mentality I sometimes have to fight to get myself out of, too. And a weird example that jumps to mind is when I used to replay a lot of longer RPGs when I was younger and had less games but more time... Like, you know, I replayed Final Fantasy 7, 8, and 9, like, a billion times each. No hyperbole here, guys, a billion times. Uh, and and each time I would, like, probably... When I was a lot younger, I would probably pick the same characters and sort of ability loadouts over and over again. And so there there became, there became a point where I was like, why am I doing that? I should switch it up and try using different characters. And I had this... I've actually done the exact same as you, yeah. Now I'm just yeah. like, eh, I might as well make it interesting. Yeah, so I had this experience where... Um, I didn't beat Final Fantasy IX until a lot later than the other two, and it was still a while ago. I mean, it was like probably a decade ago at this point. But when I when I finally did play it for the, the last and most recent time, I was like, I'm going to switch out my party, and I use characters I never use, like Freya and Quina and Amaranth. And I found it to be so much more interesting because I was just like, ordinarily I would never pick these characters because I don't, you know, I love Freya as a character, and the other ones are, you know is fine. Amaranth's like a non-entity. Anyway, but I picked them, and, I, and doing so, like, consciously choosing to play with a different setup kind of altered my experience in some weird fundamental way, and I had a lot more fun with it. So ever since then, I try to take that approach when I find, like, if a game is becoming stale because I'm falling into this formula, uh, I want to vary it up. So Transistor is a game that would greatly benefit from applying that mindset, and yet, like Rob, I had a hard time as well switching my tactics up. So... Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, all of that was just background info for me to start talking about Pyre, P-Y-R-E. Pyre is the third and most supergiant, and it's Pyre. like, so we covered it, and we have a review of it, but it's like NBA Jam with Magic in the Underworld. Uh, <laughs> it, it is a super unusual game, and, and I think it's all the better for it. Pyre has really hooked me in a way that the first two games haven't, and I think that, it's not without its issues, but... Pyre, uh, I think it's it's got that's the kind of secret sauce, like Supergiant. It took them two tries for me, but on their third one, they sure did it. So the the gimmick or like the main conceit behind Pyre is you're playing as a band of exiles who are um, in basically what amounts to like an underworld, and you're looking for a way to win your freedom back and return to the quote unquote real world or whatever you want to call it. It's called the Commonwealth, and the only way to do that is to participate in these sort of ritualistic sports called the rights. And the rights are essentially like three-on-three basketball or soccer or something like that, where you have to dunk this magic orb or shoot this magic orb into your opponent's flaming pyre, which is like their goal. Um, While it sounds like a pure action game and it is extremely action-heavy, there are actually RPG stats at play, and there are a lot of different characters, each each of which control and operate very differently. And you can even level them up and sort of like pick perks for them out of skill trees. There's not a ton. There's like maybe eight perks per character, but there's enough that you can customize your characters, um, you know, to your liking and use who you want to use. And like I said, it's three on three. And I want to say you have something like 10 or maybe more playable characters available to you by by the time you get to end game, which isn't very, very long. Do they all play really differently too? Yeah, super differently. There's like uh, Jodariel is uh, basically like a demon. She's this really big hulking woman that has these curved horns and she moves super, super slowly, but she can kind of act as a goalie for you. And then you have Ruki, who is this little, he's a cur, so he kind of looks like a like a wiry, lithe dog. And um, he moves super, super fast. And his whole thing is he can like kind of drift and skid and shoot the ball faster. He can dive in and he has a trait that gives him more 
points if he dives in as opposed to other characters. So it encourages you to find what each character's strengths are and sort of form a team of three around that. Um, and all the while improving your characters with these sort of light RPG elements. And so that's really fun. And I, and I, you know, it's not perfect, but it works well. And there's a versus mode that I've actually had a lot of fun playing with my friends. Um, it's local offline only, which is kind of a bummer. And I think that this game could really thrive competitively if it had an online mode. But what drew me to it more than anything was the, the, the narrative and the art direction. Now, if you've ever seen any screenshots of Pyre, it's like this sort of weird dreamscape, um, like a lot of darker blues, reds, greens. Um, it's hard to explain. It's like an, it's an underworld, but it's a very beautiful underworld. And it's got a lot of sort of like rotted. It's very all stained glass coloring. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, All the tones are really, really deep. Yeah. It's got like this austere sort of beauty to it. And, um, it's just, it's like traveling through the underworld is a joy in itself. And that's part of the discovery is like, where are we going to go to next to conduct the next right? And, uh, you know, the story is actually, it's interesting. The writing is phenomenal and it doesn't lean so heavily on the the mystery element. Like there's definitely mystery and intrigue, but it's not quite as out there as Transistor. So you can follow it. Um, and I, I mean, I typically don't have trouble following stories and it's not that I had a hard time following Transistor. It's just like, I wanted a little bit more than what they gave me. So Pyre is fulfilling that for me. Um, it is it's, a it's very, good. It, it's a very visually striking game. I think that was the thing that kind of took me away with it. But again, my experience with Bastion and Transistor kind of, I, I don't know, it kind of drove me away a little bit of like, well, you know, two times I haven't really been into your games and I'm not really sure if this is going to be the one. They apparently built like a ton of lore for this game. And one of the more interesting things is that you can lose and the story will continue. Can you talk a mm-hmm. little bit more about that there? Yeah, so to your first point about the lore, uh, each of the characters that join your sort of traveling party is in exile to the underworld. And so they have their profiles that you can access from your caravan, and you don't actually know why most of them are there. Like, there's there are spaces where you can fill in information about what was their crime, how long have they been exiled for, like, what was their position in the world before they came down here, because either they don't remember or they're not telling you. So there's a lot of... of interesting lore to discover on your own, depending on which characters you choose to use more uh, in, you know, quote unquote battle or in matches, whatever you want to call it. Um, And then as far as losing and continuing on. So this, uh, you know, I would consider it like a very mild spoiler because I didn't know about this, but it's right there on the trophies. So uh, I will go ahead and say it that the, the catch with getting out of the underworld is that at the end of the sort of, tournament or the you know sequence of rights at the very end the winning team can only choose one person to return to the real world and so there's a, there's story things happening alongside that but um if you lose your last match one of your enemies gets to go to the the surface and they're out and then the cycle begins anew so there's um i mean replay value for sure but there's uh it's interesting and i, and I haven't lost the main right yet. Like I've actually only run through the game one time and did the final right once and sent one person away. Subsequent cycles are shorter. There aren't as many matches to go through. And like the characters actually acknowledge that this is the next cycle and the next cycle. So it's not like you're doing a fresh new game every time you do it. Um, But yeah, if you, if you lose the final, right, you sure do get to let an enemy go free. And I'm kind of curious because it seems like the game is hinting at the fact that that might not be a bad thing. Like maybe you shouldn't be helping your people go free, you know? because you're in the underworld after all. And what if those people are there because they did actually bad things um, and they shouldn't be back on the surface? But uh, conversely, like the game doesn't paint the uh, the Commonwealth, the above world as a very great place that is good to its citizens. So it's really interesting. I'm not, you know, I've only run through it once, like I said, so I don't know the full story yet, but I find it very fascinating and so much more compelling than their first two games. So for people in your position, Rob, I would say it's, it's worth checking out for sure. It's pretty cheap, too. How much was it? Mm, like 15 or 20? 20, 20 maybe? Oh, okay. well, yeah. That seems reasonable. There's a couple things on my Steam list that I'm I, I'm trying to like talk myself into buying Kingsway. I really want to give that a shot. I just haven't had the time for it right now. I've uh, just been replaying that? stuff. That's the one that's like a browser-based old Oh, yeah! RPG. That okay. looks, it looks really crazy. I, I've really wanted to try that out. I just haven't like, 
I, I don't know, just finding the little bit of time to give that one a shot and, and have time to dedicate to it. You but gotta then feel it too, right? What's up? I always find it helps when you feel a game out too. Yeah, I kind of want to force it. I kind of want to see if I'm going to get into it. Um, part of me also wanted to pick up another round of Darkest Dungeon because that uh, that Radiant update apparently makes the game a little bit easier on people like me that have a life and don't want to spend 100 hours. Like, What did that add? Because I know the, the Crimson Court is coming soon to PS4 and is already ra- out on PC. The Radiant update significantly reduces the playtime of a single, like, game of darkest dungeons so like you don't have to grind as much to increase levels it's still super hard but they don't do that thing where you have to immediately retire some of your uh characters if they go to the darkest dungeon and uh and like survive that was a really that that was a part about the end game of darkest dungeon like hey i finally got these super powerful characters and wait a minute if they die i have if they go to the darkest dungeon and complete a level I have to completely rebuild my team again. Like that was a yeah, nope. Yeah, that that was a nope. I'm not not nope 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 nope. So I I kind of fell off Darkest Dungeon, but I do want to give that another shot. Hey guys, put it on Switch for the love of God. Put that game oh on God. Switch. I mean, everything should be on Switch, but uh, Darkest Dungeon is kind of a no brainer on that system. But uh, yeah, I'm loving my Switch as like a, a retro styled game device. Like I have Namco Museum, I have Gunvolt Burst, I have I don't know what else do I have. I'm going to be getting Sonic Mania soon. I feel like it. It just feels good to play chunky pixelated games on the Switch. But I don't know, that's just me. I, I fell into the same problem we were talking about a second ago with uh, Gunvolt Burst, where I found a system that really worked for me, and then I just never felt the need to branch out from that. That's fair. Uh, like I, I made the homing missiles, and it was like, okay, well, game's kind of over right now, isn't it? Like, it just didn't really incentivize me to try different things, and that's my fault as a gamer in a lot of ways. But you know, it could also be a balancing issue that they should have worked on maybe a little bit more. I see that as like a very speed run driven game, and I think a lot of people are going to. I think the speed running community will pick that up and do some interesting things with it, like finding ways to, you know, optimum run through each stage like oh i want the fire bullet wave but only one at a time because it'll hit the right enemy in the right spot you know what i mean like there's just so much flexibility there it's overwhelming to me but there's so much flexibility that i think um people will take to that specific people will take to that the fans of the genre will like it uh you know it's it just wasn't it wasn't my cup of tea, but like the Switch right now, I think the other game I'm really waiting for is uh, August 29th is going to be a very weird day because the XCOM 2 expansion comes out and Mario Raving Rabbids comes out. And I'm going to end up playing both of those. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you're going to play Rabbids. You know you're I, going to. I hate the shit out of it on principle. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, but, the just... ra- but it looks such. It looks like a great game. <laughs> If, if there is a, a, a mode where you can 100% turn off rabbits, sure. I, I know. I, I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I wish that I've I talked I, about this. Like, I, rabbits are just like minions with rabbit ears, and I hate minions. So. I scream just as much. Yeah. yeah I can't subject I, myself to that because I, I love myself. So. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's just weird that that game ended up like looking as good as it did, but we're all kind of in the same boat of like, we really wish it didn't have rabbits. And uh, that sucks. Yeah, like, right. What like, if it's it, a fascinating what if it idea. Works, like, unanimously very well. I'm, I'm probably going to get it. Screaming. I think I'm probably going to get it because I really like those kinds of games and it's doing something different. It's very bright. It's very colorful. I'm really digging on that. And I think a little bit more RPG mechanics and XCOM is kind of a good thing. Um, But I'll probably be playing that and XCOM too at the exact same time, just because, you know, I hate myself and I'm a glutton for punishment. (laughs) Clearly. And what were you going to say about Kingsway? I, you know, I want to pick it up. I just, I, I want to have enough time to really devote to it. Like, I, I know Persona 5 is still in my backlog, and I feel really, really bad about that. But, like, I just want to be able to devote enough time to Kingsway where I don't, like, you know, I want to give it the attention it deserves. And I think also that might be a good Office game if I put Steam on my Office computer. Like, I'm pretty sure that game will run on anything, and that might be a really good, like, oh, when I'm in the Office and I have some downtime, that's that's a good opportunity to play that. That's fair. Yeah. 
yeah. I mean, and I'm and I'm still working on Dragon Quest Six, so I've got to finish that too. So. Oh, nice! I didn't realize you were playing Six right now. Yeah, I, I well, in the past year, what all did I do? I did four, five, seven, and eight. And okay. six was the last one in my backlog. Six, I, I think, Derek, you you are going to like six because it is just a condensed version of seven. Yeah, because like, seven, yeah. I, I gave up before I got to the job system, which is a damning sign. I, I've played six before, but um, only to like just after I got the jobs. And that's not very far. That's not as far into six as it is into seven, but it's still far enough that like... I don't know. It's a little bit of investment to, for me to pick it back up. I enjoyed it, though. I, I love me some Dragon Quest. I just think that Seven's pacing was... Um, it remains a problem, and I that's like the only Dragon Quest that I just kind of give the side eye to, because I wanted to love it, and I can't. So. And I understand that, and I think with Six, Six is very much the precursor to Seven, and not just in name. You have a lot of the same problems in Seven, but they're not as bad in Six. So Seven has some absolutely terrible uh, triggers, where like, mm-hmm. oh, you have to talk to this one person in this one house, or else the story will not continue. Yeah, or go through the castle all the way. You gotta go inside the castle, go up to the throne, room go around the corner down those stairs and then fall in a hole to talk to the dude you need to talk to yeah <laughs> and it's one way so when you got to come back in 30 seconds you got to do the same trick you know it's like yeah six uh, has six has a little bit of that but it isn't as bad although last night like jackie was watching tv and i was playing dragon quest and i started getting really pissed off because i definitely talked to everybody in the town the quest line did not trigger because i did not talk to the same person twice and so it was like, oh my, like I was getting, mm, there, yeah. there was some swearing. Uh, I was getting a little salty and, uh, but we got through that. The job system in six is really good because it doesn't do the thing that seven does where uh, you lose a lot of those skills uh, from oh, the higher yeah. level job classes, which I understand why they did that. They did it for like balancing purposes, but it didn't necessarily make the game fun. Right, uh, but I, I think you'll like yeah. six if you can find it on uh, DS. I'd say I've got it. Yeah, it I still have it. Yeah, I just need to like you know pick it back up, but uh, it's unlikely to happen anytime soon. I just I find that um I, I like your sort of explanation of it being a condensed version of seven because I find that more and more you know I still games are still a, an enormous part of my life and I play a ton of games, but I just don't have as much time for like the hundred hour ones if I'm going to be hitting everything else I want to hit. Mm-hmm. So you know when you're this is not an uncommon um, statement or, you know, thing to say, but it's like when you're younger and you have a lot of time, but you can't afford to get all the games. Sure. Give me the hundred hour one. Cause I can play it forever. But now I'm looking for those condensed experiences, which is here we go. You're going to roll your eyes a little bit. That's why I love Falcom games generally, except for the one I'm going to talk about today, because I think Falcom uh, has a really good sense of pacing for the most part. And like some other games, especially the the earlier East games can be, like digested in a much shorter period of time comparatively to stuff that's, you know, I don't know these like dragon quest games. So if dragon quest six is the more streamlined condensed version of seven, sign me the F up. I'm there. Right. And at the risk of breaking your segue, which was very well placed. Uh, happy birthday, Derek. Happy 30. Oh, thank you. I, um, I drank a lot. It was good. I went to, good. A, <laughs> I, I went to like a not surprise, but surprise pool party. And um, that was really nice because I missed having a pool and I got to swim. And uh, yeah, I uh, drank some booze and um, ate some food. It was good, man. It was a good birthday. Big 3-0 is weird. The Dirty Big 30. The Dirty 30 is really weird. Like, yeah. it, it, it messed me up a little bit. And Steph, you're, you're still a little ways away from 30, correct? Yeah, next year. Oh, God. <laughs> You'll be yeah. fine. You'll be fine. Trust me. Try not to think about it too much, you know. Oh, I already am. <laughs> <laughs> It's just weird. It's just like a a weird birthday. But anywho, uh, so now I'll let you use your segue to talk about uh, the Tokyo Xanadu's. Sure. So Xanadu. I always think of the Olivia Newton-John song. Me too. Me too. How do you not? Neon lights. Yeah. Specifically, I think of the uh, Dance Dance Revolution version of that. Because that was my first introduction to it when I was younger. Because I have no um, culture or didn't when I was a kid. So <laughs> I can't tell you how much music I was exposed to, like through DDR for the first time. It was so pathetic. But you know, whatever. Live and live and learn. Hey, whatever gets you to listen to it, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so apparently, this show is going to kind of be like the Derek Hour today. So I, I'm okay with I have that. Several things to talk about, but uh, so Tokyo Xanadu. You guys talked about it on the episode before last when I was unable to make it. 
So I'm imagining Caleb, uh, Caitlin talked about it. Did she I think say Solosi positive did. things? Did she I like think it? Solosi talked about it. Oh, really? Okay. Do you remember what all he said? If he was into it, or I believe yeah. he was trying to be very diplomatic. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Tokyo Xanadu. It's a game by Falcom. You know that company that I'm obsessed with, and it's their. You guys probably don't need like a huge rundown, but uh, it. You know, it's like their take on Persona, basically. Um, Persona mixed with an action RPG. The Xanadu series is is an older series that has been around since God, I, I don't know, like the late '80s or early '90s, and they are typically dungeon crawlers. Like Xanadu Next, um, Xseed actually localized and released on PC within the last year. Maybe it was a little over a year ago. I can't remember. Anyway, um, and that's like a very high fantasy sort of medieval esque, darker gothic dungeon crawler. Whereas Tokyo Xanadu is like. Okay, let's do a dungeon crawler, but let's make it Japanese high schoolers in modern day. So, you know, the Persona influence is extremely apparent. And normally I think that would be a good thing, seeing as Persona has very solid gameplay systems that we all like. Uh, And Trails of Cold Steel took that Persona sort of influence and I think did some good things with it, but it was a little bit too protracted or, um, you know, samey at times. Tokyo Xanadu was like 10 times more derivative than that, which... No hyperbole here, guys. Uh, Tokyo Xanadu is just like, I think it's Falcom's most generic game ever. And I find that really disappointing because I think that they can take even mundane sort of, not mundane ideas, but like they're they're good at making really solid gameplay systems and mechanics that might seem unassuming, but they just feel so good to control. And they, they pay a lot of attention to detail, particularly with like character development systems or um, like relationship uh, mechanics and that kind of stuff, but Tokyo Xanadu is just like it's so flat to me. Um, I I beat it today actually. I beat and I got the true ending, which uh, was unnecessary as hell. <laughs> oh my god, holy shit! It was just like it, it harkened back to a certain uh, PS2 Final Fantasy where a character that didn't need to come back to life came back to life. So anyway, oh boy, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. It made me so mad. I was like... I remember after watching the Final Fantasy X ending, too, I was like, oh, no, there's a second game. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, that... that, Like, so beautifully sad by the ending of Final Fantasy X, and then X-2 was just around the corner. Yeah, it's kind of a shame. Yeah, so they sure did that, but that's that's not Uh, my main complaint. My main complaint is just that... It's generic. Yeah, it's just generic. Like, you've seen all these characters before. You've seen their archetypes. archetypes. Is there a best friend character trope? Oh God, yeah, there is. There's like, like how many of them? Both, both there, of them? All three of there them? There are three. There are three best friend character trope characters, and they're all, you know, they have varying importance to the main plot, but they sure are there. Um, I just find that none of the characters have interesting wrinkles. Like Falcom's thing that they do is they sometimes have these stereotypically seeming characters that subvert that, and you're like, oh my God, I didn't expect that character to move in that direction. Um, Tokyo's energy just doesn't do that. Like. A couple of times it gets close to being smart, but for the most part, it's just, oh, here we have, like, the weirdly um, uh, elevated in status. Like, there's a girl in your high school. She's a student council president or whatever, but she's also the daughter of, like, some uh, global technology company. So she, you know, handles a lot of the company's day-to-day affairs. And it's like, nobody would put a 16-year-old in charge of a friggin', like, global tech company. This is ridiculous. So Not when you're that. a prodigy student in some fancy school. Come on. It's just, there's that, and there's, like, the genius hacker who's aloof, and, oh, my God. I was taking screenshots, but, like, every one of this dude's lines is some kind of a video game. Not not a video game reference to a specific game, but, like, you'll be about to fight a boss, and people are like, okay, guys, this is it. We have to fight with all our strength. And he'll be like, man, it's like fighting the final boss in one of my RPGs. Like, every single time when they wanted to punch this kid in the throat, like, he's like, oh, did we clear the flag that we needed to progress this route, LOL? Like, no! Stop! (laughs) I just felt that it had, like, the the flattest cast of characters, and the the combat is kind of, like, East, but worse. I was gonna say, is that at least okay? It's, like, East, but worse. Um, It's, like, East, but worse. It isn't to say, that's not to say it's bad, but it just it sort of lacks nuance, I think, whereas East um, is really... In, most, each game plays a little differently in terms of the East games, but, like, they're all well-suited to high-level skilled play, and they have higher difficulties, and it's like, if you're if you're great at dodging 
pattern recognition. Like you can do cool stuff in those games. Whereas I feel like Tokyo Xanadu is just a little bit too straightforward, bland, and like kind of impossible to lose, at least on the default difficulty. Because there came a point late in the game where I was just sort of not totally not avoiding attacks, but I could just like stand there and keep smashing my hardest hits and the enemies would hit me a little bit and I'd just like switch to somebody else and that would be, I'd be fine. <laughs> like there just didn't, doesn't feel like there's a lot of strategy. At least it doesn't reward strategic thinking. So I guess I'm just going to sit here and crap on Tokyo Xanadu, but uh has a good soundtrack. I, I bought the soundtrack on US iTunes like two years ago. Yeah, that was good my, actually. Yeah, it's been in my rotation ever since then. I haven't, yeah. Yeah, okay. So there's so you know there's a lot of good music in it, uh, especially the dungeon themes. There's some great ones in there. But um the music is kind of the best part. That's Yay, so it's got something. Yeah, it's um, it's not like a trash fire. It's just I think it's Falcom's worst game and I was really let down by it. So at this point I'm actually thinking I I might cancel my pre-order on the Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus version coming out for PS4 later this year. Um EX Plus is sort of like a Persona 3 Fest. So it's the game, uh, but with a few extra character side stories and like a new epilogue, which is kind of ridiculous because the game already has an epilogue beyond the ending in the Vita version. So I guess there's like a double epilogue now. And uh, I think a new playable character, maybe two I heard, but it doesn't, I mean, like the characters aren't that different really. I I didn't feel like each one had, each one does have a different skill set for sure, but... um, when it came down to it, you could just pick one character and like mash your hardest attack and win regardless. So, mm, uh, Tokyo Xanadu, yeah, <laughs> doesn't come with my strongest recommendation. I would probably give it somewhere around like a six point five. I almost bought a Xanadu Next on Steam sale during the summer, and again, I I had too many other games to play in my backlog. Would I like that one? Like that one? I think straight you up would like that more. Yeah. you would like that more for sure. It's it's like I said, it's kind of more grim, almost gothic styled. Unfortunately, I haven't played as much of it as I'd like because when it came out, there were some pretty nasty bugs in the Steam version. I remember um, that, yeah. And there were ones that were like erasing entire text boxes and uh, like corrupting saves and stuff. And I, I experienced those, and I had crashes, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna wait for this to get patched. And it took them a while to get it patched, but once they finally did, I think I had moved on to something else. So uh, I'll go back to that eventually. I think Tokyo, or I think Xanadu Next is like more, <clears throat> excuse me, more traditional solid Falcom, whereas Tokyo Xanadu was like, okay, this is what's popular, so let's do that. And they didn't really execute as well as they could have. So, mm-hmm. so sorry, Falcom. You can do better. I know you can. Okay. Shall I move on? Looks good. <laughs> yes, it does. Shall I move on to the next game that I'm apparently going to talk about? <laughs> What's the next game you're going to talk the about? The next there? game I'm going to talk about is Metopia. It is a 3DS RPG that came out pretty recently. I was lucky enough to score it on Amazon Prime Day. Like There was some error with Amazon Prime Day's prices on certain game pre-orders, and uh, it was like tripling or quadrupling the Prime Day discount, so I snagged this guy for six bucks. Um, nice. definitely, definitely happy I paid six bucks and not forty bucks for it because I'm not sure it's worth forty. But mm. yeah, Metopia is like you know if you ever played Find Me, the Street Pass game that's included with the 3DS. This is like if they made Find Me into a fully realized game. Um, it is a kind of I would describe it as a light RPG where you're using Mies and you can pull Mies from. Uh, your system's Mii Maker, you can pull them from Tomodachi Life if you have a save for that, and you can pull it from um, Tomo, the smartphone app, which is kind of cool, because like, I know some people were using that to interface, so it's like, oh, I don't want to bother to create Mii's just for this game. So you have several places you can pull Mii's from, and then you assemble them into a party of adventurers, and you go on this adventure and fight turn-based battles. Now, the game, the sort of like crux of the game lies in the interactions between your characters, and it seems like it's just a way for them to create silly situations using, you know, familiar faces to you. So like I have, um, my boyfriend is in my party. So I'm like a mage and he is a uh, chef. So he like cooks food that can heal or hit enemies with a frying pan. And then we have my friend Roxy, who is this, she's a very, very short uh, girl. And her me is like the shortest me possible, but she's our warrior. So she's a tank. And then my (laughs) friend, my friend, John, I made into a female pop star. So he has like this, mini mouse ribbon and like a, a microphone that looks like an ice cream cone. And it's just like the animations are just funny. Um, 
it's legitimately pretty amusing to watch other characters interact. And the game is based around, you fight these turn-based battles, but like between dungeons, your characters go back to the inn and they can talk to each other. And as they talk to each other, they just kind of say silly things and they level up. As their relationships level up, they get access to new stuff. So, um, you know, at, at relationship level two, like one of you might warn the other one about an attack and they'll dodge the attack. At relationship level five, maybe they'll show off for each other and like do bonus damage every now and then. So it behooves you to like form these relationships with your characters. Um, but the dungeons are totally automatic, which I did not know about before I played the game and I found very disappointing. It's like you pick a dungeon and then your characters just auto walk through it. And all you can do is choose take the take branch left or take branch right. And then you'll get into a battle, you know, like a, a scripted at a scripted place in the dungeon, you'll get into a battle. Um, so it's like, you know, it's light, like I said, and it's um, something that I would feel much more... That I'm glad that I paid less for, and I think that they should have priced it lower than 40 um, Of course, I don't know how much time they had to spend localizing it or whatever, because there is a lot of text. But uh, yeah, it's just kind of like a silly feel-good RPG, a mini RPG, if you will, and I found it to be a pretty good palate cleanser from some of the other stuff I've been playing. So if you like the idea of taking your friends and family or even, you know, weird me's like people have people make all kinds of strange me's based on um, TV show characters and famous people. Uh, and you can certainly use those in the game. If you like the idea of taking personalities, smashing them into an RPG party and then doing this sort of like easy, but fun and breezy RPG, it might be up your alley. I think it's pretty fun, but not a lot of substance. So. Have either of you guys uh, looked at it at all? I think, Rob, you said you saw it at Target the other day. I I saw it at Target, and I was just like, okay. Like, eh. It's a game. (laughs) Yeah, it it looked like a game, um, but it just didn't. I always preferred the Puzzle Pass thing for the me games. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if I'd be really interested in it, just because, I don't know, I was more into swapping those puzzles. Yeah. So, so totally yeah, I don't think right. I'm the target audience for it. Yeah, uh, and it's not something that I would have picked up had I not found it for really cheap. So I was gonna um, say, I'm surprised they made a full game into it. Like I thought this would be like an eShop kind of game that you pick up for like yeah. Bucks. I thought so too. When they first revealed this, I was like, oh, okay, it's like their next Street Pass game. But no, it's it's a full game. Um, <laughs> there have been some pretty dark uh, screenshots that I've seen around because you you cast the characters, like I said, so. It's not just your party, but also, like, villains and important townspeople and stuff. They'd be like, pick someone to play the princess or pick someone to play uh, the Dark Lord, who was your antagonist. And you have no idea how many Dark Lord screenshots I've seen of our president, uh, which, you know, I hate saying those words together. But the president? I don't know. That guy? Uh, people make him into the Dark Lord pretty often, so I've seen some pretty funny <laughs> Uh, really, Metopia is the kind of game it's like, it depends on how much effort you're willing to invest in making funny character situations happen. So, that's okay. It's not too bad. It's a game. You just think it's it should have been, you just think it should have been priced a little bit differently, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Kind of falling into that trap that we've talked before about. It's like, if you would price your game appropriately, we Maybe might it's be sell okay. better. Yeah. Yeah, it's just sort of, it's hard to escape the whole, like, dollar value equals quality uh, mentality, but it's it's just more like proportionately. What am I expecting for the money that I put into this? Which is why Steam sales are awesome because a lot of the time you put in almost nothing and you end up getting amazing games. So this is a situation in which it's like, mm, okay, I mean you're asking for quite a lot for what amounts to a silly little character insert game, but sure, it's okay. Well, um, I mean, if you want to talk about more substantial stuff, I know we've discussed plenty of FF12 recently but rob you finally finished your playthrough of it have you not i I did i picked it up almost immediately after we talked about it uh last episode and i played the ever-loving hell out of it uh put about 40 hours in could have finished it at 35 i played almost the entire thing in the uh the speed up mode uh And it was real funny. I, I was having the exact same experience with the game that I had when I played the international Zodiac job system a couple of years back, where I started it up and I was like, oh my God, I remember how much I love this game. And then I got to around Bujerba when you finally get the ability to kind of grind a little bit. And I started grinding and I was like, wow, I'm really, 
<sighs> really getting bored with this. This is kind of the same thing over and over again. I'm quickly losing interest. And I, I was texting Derek saying I'm going to quit. Like I'm, I'm already getting bored with it. I've, I've had enough. And then I beat the first Esper, which allows you to get the second job for every character. And that was really what saved the game for me. It was like, all of a sudden I felt so much more flexibility. I felt like I could really plan out each party member. Ash suddenly started hitting like an absolute freight train. Cause I made her into a monk black mage combo, which is apparently <laughs> that's apparently the death combo in the game of just like, now you have a super strong black mage with ridiculous stopping power. Um, and, and so I really started to enjoy the game and I actually started thinking about, uh, about starting it again. Um, but I, I think maybe final fantasy 12 takes a little too long to open that, uh, that versatility up. Really? It, takes, it, it really, I mean, you don't get to Wraithwall's tomb for like what? Nine hours. I think it's probably like the one third mark of the game. Yeah. But, but like up until then, I mean, I get what they did with the Zodiac jobs in that international version, which was make each character distinct. And I get that, but they're kind of boring. Like if you make a Shikari, the the hunter type character, all you're really doing is smacking stuff with melee attacks. And that starts getting a little boring. And I, I think one problem Final Fantasy XII has is magic is not useful till about the midway point of the game. You just do not have a lot of MP. You can easily run out of MP if you don't manage your gambits properly. You don't really hit for a lot of damage. And then all of a sudden, about the midway point of the game, magic becomes nothing but nukes. Where you're just like annihilating everything left and right. You get uh, Asuna, which lets you get rid of almost every status ailment in the game. Like, the game shifts from melee focus to magic focus, and it comes at about the point that you open up the second job. So, up until that point, I was playing almost all melee characters, and Balthier was barely caping enough MP to cure my guys effectively. And like, at first you only have the cure spell. So you're relying on a lot of potions and it just, it, it just feels like nothing is really working. And then you open up that second job and it really, it, it starts to work. But to mm. get to that point, you got to go through a lot of story bits. You got to go through a lot of those opening sections of that game, which I think 12 starts really strong, but it doesn't make it pleasant for subsequent playthroughs. I, I almost wish that there was a way to just like on new game plus skip all that crap and get immediately to start selecting your jobs and start doing the things that make the game fun. There's a few games that do do that, and I actually really appreciate that. I I, I think it needs it. Uh, you know, I I'm way higher on Final Fantasy XII than I was when I first played it. When I first played the international job system, I, I, it did something right. Where I sat down and I played it the whole way through. I agree with all the sentiments that we made last time, which is it was super ahead of its time, uh, to the point where like you are. Uh, you're unlocking so many different things and you go on, you go on hunting quests and just this, that it it really is ahead of its time, but it, it's still a little unpleasant to play. It's unpleasant to have to go talk to the same person multiple times in order to get a hunt, to go out and fight something. Uh, If you do not play this game in speed up mode, I I think there's something wrong with you. Like it, it is, these dungeons are terrible. Like they really are, and they don't they don't do a good job of making you know what is the important piece of equipment that you can only get in the dungeon versus a treasure chest that just gives you like two hundred gil. Yeah, but thank God treasure chests actually have a use in this one. Like they that's rebalance true. the distribution of treasure, and you don't have to worry about the zodiac spear anymore. So uh, <laughs> that's it's good. Not terrifying. Yeah, no, that's good. And like um, toward the end of the game, some of the later dungeons, you unlock some really awesome abilities. Like when I unlocked you, the the spell scathe, uh-huh. like holy crap! Now Ash was just hitting for like seventeen thousand damage. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of the endgame abilities you can only get through specific treasure chests. Yes, like Because yes. I, I reached the, you know, I did all the espers except Zodiac, which I still haven't beaten yet because he was kicking my butt. Uh, but there were some abilities I definitely still didn't have access to, and it's probably because they were in chests that I missed in certain yeah. places. So that's it's interesting how much that rebalances it, you know? And, and it also gets very vagrant story toward the end of the game when those dungeons really start to open up and there's lots of dangerous stuff in there. And like Derek's saying, you start unlocking really, really good abilities. That's where the game is actually really, really good. I think the end game of Final Fantasy XII is pretty excellent, although it does like 
Dragon Quest kind of start falling into the trap of, well, you need to talk to this one person to get this one key to open up this one area, because if you don't, you're not going to get in there. There's oh, a li- yeah, I'm straight up like just using a guide for yeah. endgame stuff. Anything beyond the main story, like just guide. Uh, I think what I really want, and we talked a little bit about it last episode, is I, I really want to see another game in this style with a little bit more modern conventions. Um, I, again, I think it takes maybe a little too long to open up that versatility in the Zodiac job system, but I also understand that they don't want you to be able to break your characters right away. That yeah. makes sense to me. Uh, the story at the start of the game is super strong. It isn't quite as bad as I remembered it as a kid, but it's still not that great of a story toward the end. Yeah, it's like, I think it's it's good. Uh, the ideas are good. The execution is just lacking because you sort of lose... You do, there isn't enough detail in, in the later stages, especially. So. Right. I agree with you. And yeah, if, they kind of lose out the political part of it, too. Yeah, it, that stuff just leaves. And again, I think that if the dungeons were a little bit more interesting, I would be able to stick with it more. Uh, but it really does feel like the third part of a trilogy where you have Final Fantasy Tactics, Vagrant Story, and Final Fantasy Twelve. I have so many great things to say about this game, but I just would love to see them try it again. Try this Zodiac job system in a more complete experience. It's kind of built from the ground up for it. A little bit more interesting dungeons, you know, but everything about this game is really, really good. And without the changes that they made to the Zodiac age, I probably would have fallen off of it. So that is a testament to how good and how much, how much they put into this remake. It is really, really good. I just a little down on certain aspects of it. And I wish it was a little faster to pick back up, even though you, they give you a level 90 party when you do new game plus it's still like, okay, I have a couple of hours until I even get to like, the party members that I want, which is great because then they give you those party members and you never lose them. I really like that aspect of the game, but it just, I just wish it was a little bit more pleasant to play through. Like just an option that said, can we just skip all this and just get you to like, you know, past all the opening introduction areas and, and just get you to like Bosch, just get me to Bosch and and then I'm good. I mean, you can fast forward through it, especially in new game plus, you'll, you'll move true. real fast and you can just that, skip cutscenes. So that it that fast forward is essential because some of those dungeons that not so like the Bujerama mines are pretty good. Uh, but like the airships are just like, what the hell? Like, yeah. like what the absolute I, hell is. I this? remember when I was, you know, when I first played through FF 12, the Pharos was like a nightmare, you know, it's, it's an interesting dungeon, I guess, but because it does, it actually makes you think in some areas you have to think about which switches to flip and stuff, but uh, it's just so long. And it's not clear that that's the final dungeon, right? Because right? like right. the Leviathan is not really a dungeon, right? Or, it feels sorry, like the half. It. it feels like the the halfway point of the game, which is right. very bizarre. It also has one of the most interesting characters in Redis. I, I yeah, Redis is awesome. He is great. Also voiced by Phil Lamar, so we love him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like the, those dungeons are just so boring and like drab and. I, and you're right that that final the the Pharos dungeon is terrible. The Great Crystal area makes me want to pull off my own eyelids. Okay, yeah, like getting to Ultima is yeah, no, yeah. it was terrible. I hated that so much. I and straight the, up was like, all right, I'm going to use a guide. And then the, even the guide I looked at it was like deciphering hieroglyphics, like trying to figure out which warp I needed and which direction to go. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, mm-mm, nope. Especially after Dragon Quest VIII, like that remaster, and these games are released within a year of each other, like Dragon Quest VIII's dungeons are amazing and fun, and you always feel like a treasure chest gives you something meaningful. I think if Twelve could work on that aspect a little bit, it would be an absolutely phenomenal game, because it's the, the battle system I love. Like, once you get that battle system cooking, it is really, really cool to just make a death party that is just, you know, there's really smart upgrades that you can get. Like, I had Ash with the, you know, gaining MP after she did damage and after she killed an enemy. So yeah, she I love just, those. She just never ran out of MP. Like, she's using the strongest attacks in the game over and over again, and she's not running out of MP. And I think that plays into the fact that this is a very weirdly balanced game where at the start the magic costs too much and doesn't do enough damage to justify it. But if you invest in it by the end of the game, it becomes super powerful. Yeah. It's cool. It, it's, it's, 
the rebalancing is is really helpful. It is not really. Go ahead. I don't, uh, I don't really find Dragon Quest Eight's dungeons very interesting. They're better than twelve. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How, we're back how far time. are you in? How far are you in eight? Your your continued struggles in, uh, in Dragon <laughs> Quest Eight. Uh, I just arrived at Baccarat. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's fairly early. Is yes. it? I think that's around where I am too. Yeah, I mean the game does the whole like you're almost at the end, JK LOL. Oh my god. Okay. Oh yeah. I think what I like about the dungeons in Dragon Quest Eight though is that when you go down an alternate path, they usually give you something. And yeah, it's, yeah. It's something worthwhile. Whereas I think a lot of that, you know, even just making the treasure chest just not look like you know pots and pans from Mass Effect would have done a lot to help out uh, Final <laughs> Fantasy Twelve. Like, so- Just to go sort of off topic, I'm happy that the yeah. worst like plot twist already happened with Final Fantasy VIII in the orphanage. <laughs> so <laughs> that's behind. Hey, yeah, I, guess I can't go any more downhill. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, I was thinking about that the other day. I was like, man, even trying to buy what it's selling, it's so stupid. Oh boy, it's. Yeah, twelve is really good. I I would love to see another game in that style, or maybe a Vagrant Story too. No, wait, we've talked about that. I don't oh, want a Vagrant yeah. Story too. Didn't they like uh, obnoxiously tweet like you know, hey, if uh, you know, keep tweeting that you're interested in the Ivalis universe, and maybe we'll see something new, or they're kind of contemplating something new in the Ivalis world. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the it'd be the great Final Fantasy fourteen Ivalis stuff sort of reignited some interest, seeing as Final Fantasy fourteen it was just announced as 10 million active players. Oh, yeah. So, uh, if, if a lot of people are really into it and they get a lot of feedback, I wouldn't be surprised if that sort of carried over into Square Enix's other plans. If I could have a request, if anybody from Square Enix is listening, can you please go into the Final Fantasy Tactics War of the Lions PSP version and flip off the... Uh, the CPU limiter that uh, limits the frame rate and slows the game down amazingly. Cause apparently you can easily do that on a hacked PSP, but since I don't have one, I'm playing it on a Vita. I can't do that. Like there, there's literally a toggle that just reduces that because they wanted to save on uh, battery for war of the lions. And that feels like a very simple switch that I wish somebody would just go into and flip over at square Enix. Cause I would love to play War of the Lions, and I know it's petty, but I don't like the fact that game has slowdown. It it makes me feel like I'm playing a hacked version of it. No, I, I, I'm super against slowdown too. That was actually I didn't really say when I was talking about Tokyo's Interview at all, but Tokyo's Interview has awful slowdown a lot of the time. Like anytime there's a cutscene where they're the entire party is present, they're slowdown because there's just too many character models on the screen. And uh, same with a lot of battles. Like if you if an enemy does a really big particle effect attack, slow down, slow down, slow down. Which actually reminds me, um, I was playing the demo for Monster Hunter Stories today. Oh, who is it? Uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, but is this the Final Fantasy Tactics but Monster Hunter game? No, it's it's Monster Hunter but chibi, and it's like a, a turn based RPG where you That's have a monster that you ride. Oh boy. So I'm. Um, I've tried many times to get into Monster Hunter to no avail, and I still don't. I don't think it's bad or anything. I just think it kind of eludes me, and uh, it's weirdly, it's just so esoteric that I've I've struggled. But Monster Hunter Stories, I was like, cool, maybe this is going to be more my jam. And I downloaded the demo, and it's um, you know, it's like it's not bad. I, I and it's only a demo, obviously. I played the demo for like forty minutes, but the uh, the game is like so badly optimized. I don't understand. Is this a Monster Hunter tradition or something to have games that, that just have like shit UI and blurry text and like weird textures in the background? I, I don't understand. Like they live through the town and characters will. The new game kind of feels like that. Yeah, Which one does? The new one. Like, I don't know. The UI is just kind of ugly and cluttered. What's that all about? Like, there are characters yeah, in can't the background. Make sense of it. Well, they'll do the, the whole. Like, they're doing visual tricks to try and make the game run better. Like, they'll do the thing where in, in the distance you'll see a character, but it's just a 2D flat texture until you get close enough, and then it turns into a 3D model. But the town is full of those, and in this is, like, weird blank face silhouettes, kind of like the, you know, the blank people in Persona 5 that you see in the background. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. It's bizarre, and it, it doesn't it's seem it. like it's a stylistic choice. It's like, oh, we're cutting corners to make the game run. Is it mm-hmm. maybe an issue? It's on 3DS, right? Uh-huh. I have a new I, 3DS, too. Oh, okay. That was going to be my next question, because I'm, yeah. I'm constantly worried, like, with the new Metro game coming out, I'm like, is that going to run, like, crap on my regular 3DS, or am no. I still going to be okay? Like, I just think it's badly optimized. And, yeah, that could be. 
It's so strange to me. I don't, I don't get why that's a thing people are willing to put up with because I'm not like frame rate and, and that kind of stuff. Nope. Nope. I mean, I can deal sometimes, but I'm, I don't, I can't forgive it. You know, I'm not just going to wave my hand and be like, it's fine. They don't have to do anything about that. They should. Why not make your game run better? I mean, they could just say we're, re- we're releasing Final Fantasy Tactics Vita edition and it's the same damn game and just turn that off and I would be in. What? Like, I, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be totally down with it. I just, I, I love Final Fantasy Tactics so much. I oh, really yeah. do. We all do. Yeah, it was good. So. Yeah, yeah that's well, about all. That's all the games I had, yeah. I'd, I'd yeah. Talk oh, lot, yeah. I've been playing a lot. How about you, Steph? Uh, well, no, just to kind of go off your, uh, you know, your train, I guess. I, I played Ever Oasis on the 3DS. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've, uh, it was one of those games I picked up on a whim, and I'm completely loving it to death. Okay. Tell me a little bit about it. I don't know a whole lot. Yeah. So it's Except for when I talked about it on this very podcast, and you probably muted me, but that's fine. I'm sorry. What'd you say, Derek? <laughs> 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 go on, Steph. No, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I'm glad you played it too as well, Derek, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, like as far as games go, I think it does everything I want it to do. It's incredibly small scale, but it does just a little bit of everything, and I'm absolutely adoring it. Um, Well, first things first, like I think it uses all of the best colors of the rainbow. It is probably one of the prettiest games I've ever seen, and it has this kind of, uh, you know, Arabian Nights, but incredibly saturated look to it, but it's friendly, nice colors. All the leaves, like even on the 3DS, like all the leaves look lush, all the plants and vegetation look really good. Uh, even some of the draw distance elements and, you know, uh, the way they make the world look is actually incredibly beautiful. Um, it's an sort of action RPG. It's basically what Zelda would be if it was indeed an RPG. <laughs> Because we mm-hmm. kind of go back and forth on. Uh, it, but it still has all the same kind of elements. So there's still like dungeons, bosses, you know, enemies, upgrades. Uh, there's a town that you help rebuild, like, and, you know, just smaller ones be- between that. None of it is very thorough and in-depth, but it's just all very, very fun to play. So it's a very pleasant like, game. Sorry? Yeah. It's a very pleasant game. It's Cute. super pleasant. Yeah, so, like, I don't know how much it does really well. Like, combat's really basic. You can easily evade most attacks, and a lot of enemies seem to attack in the same way. Um, but if you're looking for something to just kind of waste a lot of great time with and just <laughs> come out really happy, I totally recommend Ever Oasis. It's a cute one. It does look cute. I will say that. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's given me a cavity. It's so cute. But, um... <laughs> Yeah, no, it's a delightful looking game. All the enemies are even kind of pleasant to look at. I know, yeah. <laughs> and I like how you don't really kill an enemy as much as it kind of blows up and turns into an innocent creature again and scuttles off. Like, it's just very sweet. <laughs> very Sonic the Hedgehog of it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, but yeah, I thought it was really cool. And, th- and it also had a character customization thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I didn't expect that. That was one of the elements that completely threw me off. But yeah, no, cool game. It is pretty cool. Well, Rob, it seems like uh, we're kind of we're winding down here today. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, there's there's a lot of quick hit games that have been coming out, and we're gearing up for the insanity that is the fall. As I look at my schedule and I see the XCOM expansion, Mario Raving Rabbits, Derek hates this. Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, I do. Uh, that yep. new Dishonored piece of DLC, which I'll probably buy because I'm an idiot, but the latest trailer made it look way more interesting than Dishonored 2, so I might pick that up. Uh, new Metroid, Rampa V3. Oh, yeah. I've been watching oh, the character yeah. trailers, too. Like, I don't, Robert, I don't Robert are you still anticipating that? Are you actually anticipating that one? Yeah, Rampa, Hell yeah! I don't know. I don't know what you like anymore, man. <laughs> I think... Uh, it I almost was called funny. you Robin right there instead of Robert. I'm sorry. Uh, I went by Robin for a brief period in elementary school because I was an idiot. Uh... <laughs> I, I really got into Danganronpa, but I will say, much like Steven talked about way back in the day, it kind of put up some barriers for me initially, and I wish it was paced a little bit better. But by the end, I was pretty pretty invested in it, more so one than two. I, I found two a little hard to play because they really don't tell you what is going on in two until the complete end of the game. So you're kind of like solving all these mysteries, which are kind of fun on their own, but you're like, what the hell is going on here? And then you get to the big reveal and you're like, oh, huh, that's that's kind of interesting. Uh, so I'm excited for three, although I swear to God, if we fight Junko at the end of it, I'm going to kill myself again. 
<laughs> yeah, no. No, thank you. <laughs> like, like, do not do the same story for the third time. Like, you know, don't do the Blizzard thing of a hero falls from grace and do it over and over again. Don't don't have me fight the same character in Danganronpa V3. Um, I don't know if you would like it, Steph. I, I don't know where you stand on the visual novels. Uh, I like 999 a lot. It's okay, you might like this then, yeah. Might okay. like this. Did you play, I, did you play I thought Danganronpa was very unappealing. Sorry, go ahead. Did you play Virtue's Last Reward? I did. You didn't like it as much as 999? Um, no. <laughs> oh, wow. No, wait, sorry, Virtue's Last Reward. No, I thought, sorry, I thought we were talking Zero Time Dilemma. They go oh, very okay. wordy titles. Yes. Um, yeah, so Zero Time Dilemma was interesting. But you didn't play Virtue's Last Reward? Oh, no, I played that one. I love the hell out of it. Oh, okay, okay, good. <laughs> just, just, just making sure, just making sure. Um, oh, God, what else is coming? October is Wolfenstein and The Evil Within 2. There's just a lot, but I don't really feel like there's a lot of RPGs, really, for me, except the one game which is out in Japan right now and is selling like hotcakes, and I need a release date for it now. Uh, Dragon Quest Eleven just looks, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Derek, which version are you going to get, or are you going to get both? Both. I think I'm going to get both, too. Maybe, maybe all three, <laughs> which version is different. I'm worried oh, about that. Man, does anybody else feel the music is kind of jarring, though? Um, I, I kind of do. I think it's the same problem that the Dragon Quest games have always had. We talked about this, I, I think, during the, the retro encounter episode on Dragon Quest V. I love Dragon Quest music, but there's not enough. Like they they yeah. make like they make like forty minutes of soundtrack, oh, yeah. and I'm for... sick as hell of Koichi Sugiyama. Like I'm, I know I already talked about this and said I was sorry, but I'm still still sorry about it. I guess a little sorry. That I just think Koichi Sugiyama's music needs to evolve. It's been the same since Dragon Quest released. It's you know <laughs> since its inception. It needs to be something different. And I'm tired of hearing like the same melody but arranged a tiny bit in every different game because because right. it's like it sucks that i'm not looking forward to the dragon quest 11 soundtrack at all that's not yeah. even a, a component of the experience for me it's like okay i guess it's going to be there and it's going to sound like i expect it to but i think eight soundtrack was really good like for whatever reason yeah, eight is great well that's also because we got the orchestrated version of it in the u.s right version. right uh, but i think with uh, most of the Dragon Quest games, what ends up happening is you have these pretty long, sizable RPGs with, you know, the same town melody used over and over again for the 20 towns that you visit. And that's a problem. And that that's it's part very of... very Happy and Flutie, too. Just... Yeah. Well, I love Happy and Flutie, but, like, it, that's part <laughs> of the problem with uh, Dragon Quest Seven is kind of the nadir of all of these problems. They use the same character models, the same building models, and the same town music for every town in the game. The only distinguishing feature about each town is the storyline going on between all of these character models that look the same. So that whole story, even though these little vignettes were really great, they all run together. I think... Eleven's going to avoid that because at least the towns that I've seen look so distinct from each other, but that music is still the same music in every town. So I think, you know, at least get another composer to make another five or six hours of music. Like it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, the the last Resident Evil game, Resident Evil 7, has almost 100 pieces of music of various <laughs> and Dragon Quest Eleven probably has like 20. Yeah. Like that's, that's yeah, weird. Just- does it really have that little? I I I took a stab, and I'm sure I'm sure somebody's going to yell at me on the internet. But like, it does not have enough music. Like it it doesn't. Like they need more music for how big those games are. Right. It will do a lot to add more personality to the games. Like it, that's the one thing. But that being said, let's not just talk about the music because the graphics in that game. Holy oh my god! Crap. And both both the 3ds and the PS4 versions look amazing. Yeah. I I prefer the like. I would for me, I would rank them PS4 first, probably, then pixelated 2D, and then 3D on 3DS. But it's it's a toss up between the top two. But they they look great. Oh my god, it's, that game looks pretty. It is a sexy looking game. Uh, I'm ah man, I'm gonna end up buying all of them. I think the only thing I don't like is the jumping animation in the PS4 version, especially like that. That looks janky as hell, and is probably going to be like not. Not great, but like overall, that game just looks absolutely phenomenal. I'm I'm super excited to play it. I need it to get here now, please. Yeah, please. I considered importing it, but they announced the localization the day that the Japanese version came out, and I was like, okay, fine, I'll wait. I, I think that's <laughs> a good sign. I think yeah. that's a good sign that they announced it so early. 
Yeah. I mean, we had heard rumblings before that, but yeah. So that's really the one I'm excited about. What are you guys excited about for this fall as we move into the crazy season of video games? It doesn't necessarily have to be an RPG, because like we were saying, there isn't a, a huge number of RPGs coming out this fall. Mm, I mean, you know, I've got East 8 coming out in September, uh, so I'm very excited for that. What all is coming out? Um, you know, I don't think we cover it, but Hellblade, Center of Sacrifice just came out. That looks interesting. Pretty good reviews. Yeah. For the most part. I do like their development philosophy of like, we wanted to make a AAA game with half the budget at half the length. I think that's a great idea. And more companies should follow suit on that. I would agree Uh, with that. I think the only thing about that game that's kind of weird is there's some controversy about whether or not it actually does delete your saves. I don't want to know. Like, that's the kind of thing that you should just discover on your own. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I There's don't so many think... think pieces out there that are just BS, like trying to get, you know, trying to get a hot take out there. And it's like, nobody wants to read your hot take on that. <laughs> uh, what else coming out? Like, I'm sure there's something that I'm forgetting. But Super Mario Odyssey comes out. I'm very excited for that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Xenoblade oh. allegedly is still coming out oh, this yeah, year, though. Which I'm like cautiously optimistic for since I'm I'm a huge fan, but. You know, we've beaten to death the topic of that art style being what it is. Um, mm, what else is coming out? I'm sure if you said something, I might be like, oh, yeah. But Mario Odyssey, East, and Xenoblade are pretty good hits for me. Stuff, anything for you? I have no idea what's coming out either. Uh, besides, yeah, some of the stuff they showed at E3, the Mario Brothers uh, remake. Oh, uh, Mario uh, Luigi. Yeah. Yeah, the Mario Luigi one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't really have that much I'm looking forward to. I'm doing a lot of backlog these days. Yeah, I feel you. I recently jumped into the, like speaking of backlog, not that I'm playing enough other stuff already, but I jumped into the the Japanese version of Zero no Kiseki, the like fourth Trails in the Sky game, basically. Uh, and it's it's moving slow. Because <laughs> my, you know, my Japanese isn't good enough to like move through it very quickly, but... Uh, it's a good one to kind of sit down with and try to learn or like yeah. get better knowledge of the language with at least. Yeah, it's like it's just a lot of it's a lot of energy to play, and I don't always have the energy to like <laughs> invest mentally. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm sure we'll think of stuff after this episode goes up, and we'll be like, "Damn it, we should have mentioned that." <laughs> so it goes. Dragon Quest Eleven though on the horizon. Can't wait. Oh God, I need that game. I, I part of me wanted to play Dragon Quest Nine again, and then I remembered how grindy it was, and I was just like, oh. Nine, you said? Yeah, and plus you can't play it like online anymore. Like, yeah, what a bummer. That, that's a bummer. I wish I had played that game the way it was meant to be played, like with buddies going online, doing dungeons together. Like that was probably a great experience, but it's just it's kind of gone now. Mm. It's a bummer. It's a shame. Yeah, that's a downer, and then you know. Part of me wants to just do Dragon Quest Eight again because I love that game so much. That that's a game that I wish kind of had a faster opening. Like it, it's a pretty fast opening, but it could you know just just get me directly to New Game Plus. Just include name New Game Plus in every RPG now, please. Like just just do it. It makes me replay sure. your games, and I, I love it. So, any news anybody can think of, or are we just you know filling for time right now? I think we're fizzling out, man. I think it's time to call it. Fizzling out is totally fine. Uh, Thanks, everybody, for listening to the show. As always, please be sure to send us uh, emails, any questions you might have. I think my inbox is finally fixed because I was getting spam emails out the wazoo, but I think Mike was kind enough to fix that for me today because I'm not deleting 30 emails at noon anymore. Uh, But thanks, everybody, for listening. For Derek and Steph, we will see you all later. See y'all. Bye. Par. 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 Good job. Well done.